Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing the globally significant titanium rutile asset uh, in the Cassia project, which is controlled by Sovereign Metals. And to do that, we're kindly joined by Sapan Guy, who is the Chief Commercial Officer of Sovereign Metals. Sapan, thank you much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. So regular listeners to the podcast will be aware that we held the UK Investor Magazine Metals and Mining Conference uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Sapan kindly uh, presented then. So if you want a little bit more detail and see the slides for the latest investor presentation, that will be included in the notes to this podcast. So if you want to do some further research on Severin, do go and, and check that out. So Sapan, um, titanium rutile, this is something that you know some investors may have heard of, some investors may not have heard of titanium rutile. And indeed, you're controlling the, the Cassia project, uh, which is the world's largest undeveloped titanium rutile project in the world. So before we, we get into the specifics of the project, Sapan, please you'll be able to give us you know, a bit of background to rutile as well as sovereign metals. Please. Yeah, absolutely, Jonathan. Uh, so rutile in its simplest terms is basically the purest natural form of titanium that's found. Uh, titanium comes from two uh, titanium-bearing minerals, ilmenite and rutile, and their values determined by their titanium content. Uh, in fact, it's actually their titanium dioxide content. So you've got ilmenite, which I think many people will be familiar with, as there's a number of ilmenite uh, producers, developers and explorers uh, listed in London. And ilmenite's got around 40 to 60 percent titanium dioxide content and currently achieves a price of around $200 a tonne. And then you've got rutile, which is 95 percent titanium dioxide um, and sells for almost seven times that at current prices around uh, just a shy of $1,400 a tonne. So in terms of rutile's uses, uh, I mean, they're vast, and you, you'll come across it in everyday life without, without knowing. But essentially, you can split it up into three main categories. Um, by far, the largest use for rutile is as a pigment. So that includes bringing whiteness or brightness or reflectiveness to paints, plastics, paper, certain coatings, even used in the pharmaceuticals and sunscreen industries, cosmetics. Um, and that's about 60% of Rutile's use. Um, I think, you know, some people may remember that once upon a time, we used to use uh, highly toxic white lead as a whitener in paints. And, and thankfully, that's, that, that's no longer the case. And what's used instead is, is titanium dioxide, which, which comes from Rutile or, or, or an upgraded form of, of ilmenite. Um, Another 30% of rutile is used in the welding industry, where rutile is an important constituent of welding flux. Um, and then the remainder is really in producing uh, titanium metal itself, which is essential for aerospace, military applications, medical applications, obviously in the construction sector, uh, because of its lightness and strength. It's, uh, it, it's getting a strong growth coming from 
uh, high performance and clean tech industries as well. So you're finding titanium being used in, uh, you know, electric vehicles as the casing for the uh, for for the the lithium ion battery. Um, you're finding it as a coating for uh, the towers of, of of wind turbines offshore, so that they don't corrode while they're out at sea. There's finding a quite quite a few niches uh, in itself. Titanium itself is designated a critical raw material by the EU and the US for, for this very reason. I mean, 70% of titanium currently comes out of Russia and China. And I think we have seen just how important yeah. it is with the recent conflict in, in, in Russia, spurring companies like Boeing and Rolls-Royce to look elsewhere for their titanium needs. So when you think Rutile, I want you to think titanium, titanium dioxide and all its uses. Fantastic. Thank you. So Sovereign Metals has been on a fascinating journey. Uh, originally listed on the ASX, uh, came to the London market, uh, the AIM market, late last year. But originally, Sapan, Sovereign Metals was designated as a, as a graphite company. Now, this is you know alluding to you know where where you started uh, as a company and and originally what you set out to to explore and and hope to find in uh, the the Cassia project and uh, the, the immediate area around but since then as i said you've you've been on quite a transformational journey uh, where now the focus is rutile would you be able to give us you know a bit a bit of background uh, and a bit more detail on on how that journey has progressed. Uh, yeah, sure. Look, you're you're right. We started off exploring for graphite in Malawi um, as a company around ten years ago. Our, our, in fact, our CEO uh, Julian Stevens has been out there for longer, um, uh, <laughs> and was actually, in fact, one of the original vendors of the graphite assets that sit within Sovereign. Um, so over those ten years, Sovereign. Uh, Pegged some land in Malawi, a full exploration program with a number of drilling campaigns, and essentially uncovered a number of graphite deposits. The, the, the most advanced of which was the Malangundi graphite project, which some of the listeners may be familiar with. Uh, and, and we took that project through to a PFS by the end of 2018. And it's not a bad project on its own. I mean, the, the PFS at the time gave it an MPV of around $200 million. So quite a Quite a good um, coarse flake graphite project. Um, but while we were doing the work at Malangundi, what some of the guys spotted was that we would bulk test the graphite ore and we kept finding rutile in the tailings, which is quite interesting for us. So look, over the last three years, that 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 initial discovery of, of, of rutile in, in the tailings has helped us find and discover more rutile mineralization on our land package. It's helped us put a resource on what is now Cassia um, and get an initial scoping study out there, uh, which we got out there at the uh, end of uh, end of last year. But I think um, what I want to say is in terms of uh, all the work that we've done, we've, we've ensured that the titanium that we were finding in the, in the tailings was in fact rutile. And not ilmenite. Ilmenite is, you know, great to have if you have easy access to uh, to, to ports. But Malawi is a is, is a bit further inland than than you know some of the beaches you find ilmenite on. 
Um, but we had Rutal, which is which is great. We did lab test work, both uh, ourselves and independent, to find out that that Rutal is actually commercially viable. There's no nasties in it, so it can be taken by um, users who who will use it in whatever whatever production um, uh, they they want to, uh, whatever use they want to make out of the the Rutal. Um, uh, and also, it, it tells us, you know, just exactly where all the rutile is, and we, we've we, we found the, our land package is just teeming with this stuff. Uh, our, our mineralized zone is around, you know, almost 130 square kilometers, and that's that's a pretty big, big, big piece of land. And our uh, our resource at Casilla is uh, around almost 50 square kilometers of land, which in itself is is pretty big. I mean, that's that's bigger than Zone One in London. Uh, so, so, so we're talking. We're talking a huge discovery here. So, originally listed on on ASX, as I mentioned previously, what was the thinking, Sapan, in in having a listing in London? Yeah. So, uh, when we started putting out news around the Rutal and that we were doing more Rutal exploration, um, which was, you know, towards the early stages of 2019. We started seeing a movement of our of our shares and a bit of a migration of those shares into the UK, uh, into Germany, um, and, and even some North American investors who were, I guess, more aware of the potential of what we found and 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 also uh, and also I assume have a greater propensity or or, or risk propensity to to um, look at earlier stage projects in in Africa. Um, and given that other mineral sands companies have captured the attention of investors here in uh, here in the UK, we thought it would make sense uh, to list on on AIM. In fact, before we did that, we did a few uh, road shows with with, with with a number of investors here in the UK. Um, I'm based here in in, in London, um, and what we found was. The same feedback kept cropping up, which was great story. Would love to participate. Would be great if you were listed in uh, listed in London. So we made those dreams come true for our investors. So let's now please tap and have a look at the market. You obviously mentioned there that there's other players listed here in London and. Uh, I alluded to the fact at the beginning of the podcast that the Cassia project is the world's largest undeveloped Rutal uh, project. Would you be able to give us a bit of insight into what the overall market looks like and and where sovereign metal, metals would uh, would fit into that? Sure. Look, so the market for Rutal. I mean, if you look at the global titanium dioxide supply, it's around eight million tons of titanium dioxide per year. But Rutal only features as about half a million tons of that, so a very small proportion. Um, so the question is, if if Rutal's so much higher content of titanium dioxide, why is it only half a million tons out of eight million tons? Um, and simply put, it just isn't enough Rutal in the world. I mean, most Rutal comes from uh, comes as a byproduct of other mineral sands mines, so ilmenite zircon mines around the world, they'll, they'll have some proportion that is rutal, and that's where most of the rutal in the world is found. Um, there's, in fact, there's only one real uh, rutal-specific producer out there, and that's Sierra Rutal, which is owned by um, 
owned by uh, ASX listed Iluka Resources. Uh, some some of the listeners may remember that Sierra Rutal was also listed here on AIM back uh, back in the day, and, and it got bought out around 2016. Um, and look, that that operation is a large operation in Sierra Leone, and it's been producing since 1967. So it's very much a legacy Rutal uh, Rutal producer that's always there in the background. But Sierra Rutal plus um, uh, plus one or two of the other uh, projects in Africa where Rutal comes as a byproduct really only feature as about 30% of, of global Rutal supply. So look, it's a genuinely scarce commodity with no other large Rutal dominant deposits having been discovered in, in, in the last 50 years or so. Um, and Rutal supply, it's been in deficit since 2017, uh, where it was it was around half a million tons, um, and it's come down. Well, it was it was around 0.7 million tons, and it's come down uh, since then with another kind of half a million tons likely to disappear by uh, 2030 as current mines get older, as grades get lower, um, and at the same time, titanium dioxide demand is set to increase by almost three million tons. So you can see that there's there's a clear structural deficit. In terms of where sovereign fits into that, well, our most recent study, which was the initial scoping study on Casia, which only covers about 38% of, of our mineralized zone, said that we could potentially produce around 122,000 tons of rutile. So we're not talking about completely changing the market here. We would just fit into a market that continues to, to diminish. So thank you, thank you, Sapan. Now we'll drill down more into the in, into the asset. You obviously gave uh, an insight there into you know, recent studies and you know, uh, sort of forecasted production there. But you know, wh- where are you in in the uh, the life of the Cassia project? You know, how far away are you from uh, production? For example, are there further studies that investors should be keeping? Uh, an eye out on could there be any potential changes to uh, the resources uh, that that have been found there? Uh, yeah, so look, we we announced a resource at Casia which we used for 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 the scoping study um, back in December 2021, and that that resource basically was about half in the indicated category, about half in the inferred category. But on a totals basis, you're talking about. Uh, 605 million tons of uh, of material at 1% uh, 0.98% rutile grade so near near enough damn it 1% uh, rutile grade giving us around uh, 5.9 million tons of rutile in that area and uh, that was coincident with a uh, with, with a graphite uh, byproduct as well so we had uh, graphite there with uh, total graphitic content of about 1.24%, which equates to about 7.5 million tonnes of graphite sitting there alongside the rutile. We used that resource to come up with a, a an initial scoping study um, at the same time. Uh, and that initial scoping study basically told us that if we were to mine this part of, the, uh, of our mineralized zone, so this resource, uh, for 25 years, we could produce that 122,000 tons of rutile. We could also produce 80,000 tons of graphite alongside that 
Um, and it, that, that all gave us pretty strong uh, economics, you know, a robust IRR of 36%, an MPV or just shy of $0.9 billion, payback of two and a half years on a total capital cost of, of, of $330 million. So, so we did all that work up until the end of last year. We, we then thought to ourselves, okay, well, we know what we can get if we mine this 38% of our mineralized zone. But how big is this zone? How much mineralization actually is there? And can we prove this resource up further? So we've been busy um, putting together our, our, our drilling campaigns, uh, which featured, you know, which took place at the end of last year and into this year. Um, and we're expecting uh, those uh, those results from those uh, that drilling campaign to come out uh imminently and alongside that that will all flow into a uh, a new resource for Casia. and what i would expect is or what we expect is a substantial increase in those resource figures and what that would feed into is a um is an updated scoping study which we're hoping to complete uh around the middle of this year fantastic thank you sapan so Malawi, let, let's let's now move on. We've obviously discussed it, the the asset there, but let's now look at the uh, the area that, that you're operating in. Uh, Malawi, I believe, is landlocked. Um, I mean, what infrastructure do you have in place to facilitate uh, production in in the future, and what work needs to be done there, if any? Yeah, uh, you're right. It is landlocked, and we wouldn't be having this conversation was it not for the uh, excellent infrastructure in place. Uh, already in Malawi, um, about ten years ago, uh, the, the the big miner Vale, alongside other um, other operators and development banks, uh, built what's now known as the Nakala Logistics Corridor. And and what that essentially does for us, in a nutshell, is it connects our landholding. It actually runs through the uh, the, the project um, and connects us to. Uh, one of Africa's deepest uh, water ports and busiest water ports in uh, Nakala, uh, which is in Mozambique. Um, we've already done a lot of work on on how do we get our, our, our product out. Um, in fact, we have an MOU in place with the rail operator. And uh, what that MOU suggested um, is that uh, you know, transporting a ton of rutile, which I'll remind you is worth you know, just shy of 1,400 Dollars today could be loaded on a vessel uh, at the port of Nakala uh, from uh, coming direct from Casia for just over fifty dollars a ton. So, 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 so not huge uh, logistical issues at all, um, regardless of the fact that Malawi is landlocked. And then look, roads as well as uh, rail in terms of people, water, power—it's all, it's all there. It's all readily available. Um, on the power front, we are, you know, we're very keen to make this as sustainable a project as possible. So we are not only looking at feeding off uh, Malawi's hydro-powered grid, but also um, as part of the scoping study, we looked at building a, um, a, a so, well, an independent power provider to build a solar plant that would uh, that would basically feed. Uh, power to our project uh, whenever the grid was down, um, and 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 the provider there is someone who's been building 
um, you know, these solar plants around Malawi already. In fact, they they built a 60 million watt plant, which is undergoing commissioning in Malawi. They've built another 20 million, uh, no, sorry, 20 megawatt plant um, also. And Kasia is not that that power hungry as a project. I mean, we uh, in terms of the scoping study, we'd be looking at only four, 14 megawatts of power required. So that's a very interesting fact there um, with the sustainability of mining. That's obviously a big subject uh, at, at, the, at the moment. So it's good to hear uh, that that's being provided for through the, the solar uh, plants there. So Sapan, a very compelling uh, set of numbers you, you outlined previously. And of course, you mentioned there that there's ongoing... Uh, studies uh, and you know there could be further resource uh, upgrades coming in 2022 but you know for investors that you know are going to go away and do some research on, on sovereign metals you know have a look at what you, you've been doing so far uh, you know have a little dig around the figures that you you've outlined there I mean what can you outline for them now um, looking forward this year that they can expect to see from sovereign metals in, in terms of further updates and developments at the Cassia project? Yeah, look, we, we'd be the first ones to admit that uh, maybe over the last few years, we've been very busy on the ground in Malawi and not been uh, keeping investors up to speed as much in terms of other uh, um, other initiatives, as well as what's going on in, in, in Malawi on the ground, what's going on with the project. But that's something that we... we We've been uh, trying to change um, over the past uh, past few months. In fact, I think if any listeners go go to our website and see, uh, look at our announcements page, you'll see that we're uh, we're almost putting out a, a you know a one new announcement a week at the moment. Um, so so look, lots and lots to look forward to this year. Um, aside from the fact of uh, more drill results, which will feed into the resource. Uh, the resource will feed into the scoping study and everything around there um, over the first uh, half of the year. Um, we're also looking at uh, revising a life cycle uh, uh, assessment of the carbon footprint of uh, of, of Rutal. We did a uh, we we did an initial well, we had an independent uh, environmental consultancy do a a life cycle assessment of of rutile versus um, using ilmenite to produce substitutes for rutile. And what we found was that obviously natural rutile in its form has a much lower um, carbon footprint than its, uh, than its substitutes, which are all upgraded using carbon and energy intensive uh, uh, ways and means. Um, but what we're looking at now doing is saying, okay, well, if that rutile was to come from Cassia, and it was mined in the way we expected in our scoping study, and it ended up in some kind of uh, you know end use product, whether that be a pot of you know a tin of paint that you you find in uh, in in B and Q or or, or or something along those lines. Well, what's the what's the life cycle assessment of that? And really, what I'm trying to get at is we're doing a lot of work to figure out whether our natural rutile is a um, it is basically a solution to having low carbon titanium out there. Um, so that's one piece of work we're doing. Obviously, once the scoping study's out, um, 
will be commencing on a pre-feasibility study. Um, and look, continued exploration. This thing is, is open in so many directions. We still don't know the extent of it. So uh, we're expecting lots lot, lots more drilling to, uh, to occur. And we also, um, a few weeks ago, announced our first um, Rutal offtake MOU with a uh, with a welding uh, distributor, um, and that was for twenty five thousand tons of uh, of product coming from Casia. Um, and look, we we expect more of those uh, MOUs to be signed over the coming uh, weeks and months. Yes, that's uh, that's a very interesting. Uh point you, you've made there, Sapan, and I'd encourage anyone to to look on the UK Investor Magazine website uh, for more details about uh, the MOU there, because it gives uh, a bit of insight there in terms of, because I believe, Sapan, if I'm correct, that was obviously the, the welding, uh, the offtake for, for welding, which attracts a premium. Um, I mean, just before we finish here, I mean, is there sort of any idea of, of where the your product will end up because of course if it's all going to welding that then attracting attracting a premium that's obviously very attractive uh for, for investors i mean how how much sort of work's gone in so far in terms of lining up potential buyers Look, um I, I i can't um understate the importance of this discovery to the titanium and titanium dioxide markets um there hasn't been a rutile discovery of this size in the last 50 years, right? We've been we've been getting rutile as a byproduct from all the ilmenite uh, mines around the world, and as I've said before, that supply is just diminishing. So the, the 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 market's ready to take this product and wants this product. So so obviously I can't give you much many, many details, but what I can say is. The fact that we found uh, what we believe could could end up being the largest rutile deposit in the world um, means that anyone and everyone who is connected to the industry is, uh, you know, ha- has been either keeping a close eye on us or has has been uh, giving us a call. That uh, sounds particularly interesting, and as I said at the beginning of the. Uh, the podcast. I would encourage uh, people that want to know more, have a look at the notes of this podcast because you'll be able to find uh, the investor presentation uh, as well as some links to some recent articles to give a little bit more detail on some of those points that, that Sapan has has raised there. So Sapan, thank you much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks, Jonathan. So just to, to, to reiterate, some of those facts and figures um, if people want to look, want to know more, want to look into this in, in further detail, um, do go to the video section on the UK Investor Magazine website where you'll be able to see the latest uh, presentation from Sovereign Metals at the UK Investor Magazine Metals and Mining Conference. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.